I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Friday Views brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm very happy to be joined by a, a, a Raptors Twitter legend. One of the best voices in podcasting. Can I say that? You sure can. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Walder. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm back in the city. I'm back in Toronto. I'm stuck up here at the Delta Chelsea here in Toronto. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to get used to the police sirens again. I live in a small mm-hmm. town in Lindsay. So this is the most like energy and like enthusiasm from like a large sea of people that I've had in quite some time, but uh, I'm glad to be back in Toronto and I'm happy to be chatting with a fellow. I mean, I'm, I don't consider myself a Raptors Twitter legend. I'm not in the ballpark of you, Amon, but I'm, I'm truly flattered to be uh, chatting with you here today and ready to talk some hoops. Let's get into it. I'm, I'm really excited about this because it is an episode that I've been looking forward to for a while because we get to talk about Kyle Lowry and I'm cool to talk about Kyle Lowry any day of the week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's really fun and it feels like finally, finally we, we're going to get the Kyle Lowry game after so many tries of trying to see Kyle versus the Raptors and we're probably also finally Gonna get a Danny Green in Toronto game meeting. No, that that's ne- that's never happening. No? I mean, okay. bless Danny Green's heart. I mean, that guy's going to be getting his ring in 2072 at this rate, if at all. Uh, I hope. I mean, I hope it's a lot sooner. But yeah, the Kyle Lowry game. We're we're, we're finally getting it. I'm glad he saved himself for the 20,000 fans at Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, me too. It would have been such a bummer if that happened when there were no fans in the arena just wouldn't have made sense and it would have felt weird if we if he played in Toronto then and then now you know a few months later we were going to give him that ovation like it it needed to happen at the right time so I'm kind of glad that um he's finally coming this time in April and he will be met with one of the loudest uh probably cheers on like just celebrations from the Raptors arena that we've probably seen in a very long time I think DeMar is going to be the only person that will have it sort of comparable to Lowry and then of course Lowry has a difference of winning a championship with the team we've been saving ourselves for this exact moment I know Kyle has I mean can you imagine a, a heartfelt video tribute to an empty arena Kyle is just kind of ignoring it kind of similar to past Raptors players who were just like, yeah, I'll wait till the, till the fans are here so we can kind of enjoy this moment together. But no, you're absolutely right. I think it's going to kind of exceed, and, and not that we're trying to compare, but I think it's going to be louder. I think it's going to be more emotional than even when DeMar came back. There was certainly some emotions in the air when, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, to a, a lesser extent, this was the guy who helped us win a championship. He was a very important piece, but Kyle Lowry is going to be above and beyond that. I'm expecting one of the loudest ovations, not just in Raptors history, but anything that this city has ever seen before. We're talking Leafs, we're talking Blue Jays, former team, former players returning to their team. Kyle Lowry is, is a special player, a special human being. I mean, I don't think anyone is going to argue that he's the greatest Toronto Raptor of all time. I certainly think he's going to get the reaction that he deserves. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. And one of the things that I, I think gets overlooked on, you know, people wonder why is Kyle's going to be so special? One, you just pointed to it, greatest rapper of all time. Um, but also, it feels like any time a team and a player part, it's never on positive terms, right? It's yeah. either the team wasn't ready for the player leaving, Vince Carter, anybody, um, or the player wasn't ready to leave, DeMar DeRozan, anybody. So uh, Kyle Lowry seems like the one player, it's very rare that an instance like this happens, where both the team and the player were like, let's shake hands. It's been great doing business with you. I'm going to head out. Uh, I think it benefited the Raptors to give the keys to Fred VanVleet and, and Pascal Siakam and that and Scotty Barnes and, and this younger version of the Raptors. And I think it benefited Kyle to go and chase a ring with the Miami Heat. Who knows how that's going to work out for them. But I think it made sense that both parties parted when they did. And that's what's going to make this so unique is that you never really run into an instance where both the fans the team, the players are all just sort of content with one guy moving forward. Yeah, there was certainly no controversy in him exiting. I mean, for a guy like DeMar DeRozan, it was unfortunate with the kind of the way that things played out with him kind of getting the short end of the stick with Masai Ujiri. Obviously, it helped us immensely because it helped us win a championship. With Kyle, not only did he walk, and he could have easily left and not helped the Raptors in any sort of capacity, but him and the Raptors came to a mutual understanding saying, hey, we could easily keep you another year or two years if need be, but we need to take this team in another direction. We want to hand the ball over to Fred Van Vliet, and we want to give you an opportunity to win another NBA championship. And Miami was a perfect spot for him, obviously his friendship with Jimmy Butler, but I'm, I'm glad things kind of played out the way they did. Kyle didn't just leave us empty-handed. We've seen tons of players in Raptors history just kind of walk, and we don't have anything to really show for it. We had Precious Achua, a, a nice piece who's really coming into form here at the end of the season. So it's not like we got nothing from it. And we obviously have a, a ton of, of heartfelt and emotional memories with Kyle. And that can never be erased. But he left us in a really good position moving forward. And I'm glad him and the Raptors did that for the franchise. Can I really, let's, let's actually talk about that. Let's, let's, move, let's pivot directions here. What is the most memorable moment for you from the greatest actor of all time, Kyle Lowry? Isn't it all the charges that he took here in Toronto? I'm surprised that guy's still standing. That guy will stand in front of a, a Mack truck and just take a charge uh, willy-nilly. But no, I, in all honesty, I mean, it's kind of like the cliche answer. I know a lot of people, if you were to ask them, it would be their same memory. I think it's after when they beat the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in mm -hmm. the Eastern Conference Finals. And he was standing there, like, extremely emotional. And the fans started chanting Kyle Lowry. And I think you could hear one of the players in the background saying like, you know, keep it together, Kyle. They're like, <laughs> you know, just showing him support. And that was just kind of, of a clear indication of what he means to, to not just the Raptors, but like the city as a whole. I always kind of compare him to like, you know, we always have like this, you know, analogy that Toronto is full of hockey fans. And, mm. you know, we, we love our Maple Leafs. We love hockey. Kyle Lowry basically personifies toughness. He would have been an excellent Maple Leaf if he was a hockey player because that guy isn't afraid of anything. But here in Toronto, the toughness that he exuded, the leadership that he showed on a daily basis, him getting that moment in the Eastern Conference Finals, because at that point, we didn't know what was going to happen in the finals. We didn't foresee these injuries happening. We didn't know how that series was going to play out. We were certainly the underdogs if, if everything just kind of stood pat. Even, just with, knowing that, even <laughs> with those injuries, we were still considered the underdogs. There's been a lot of rewriting of history. I want to like wrap yeah. <laughs> don't let them bully you away. They knew Kevin Durant was going to be out. They still predicted a Warriors win. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Hey, no, I, I totally agree with you. And hey, how many rings do we have? How many do the Boston Celtics fans have uh, as of late? You know, I, I tweeted that out too. But that's all. That's another podcast when we talk about the Celtics Raptors relationship. But no, I, I still time like for the Celtics. Exactly. There's not enough time in the world to talk about Raptors versus Celtics. But uh, just I, I recently watched that moment again, knowing that Kyle Lowry was going to be returning. And you know, I'm I'm a professional wrestling fan as well. It's almost like that that pop that you get from the audience, the, the respect that they showed the standing ovation it was an incredible moment for the toronto raptors and then obviously seeing him get his nba championship albeit at oracle arena it would have been great if he were to win it actually here in toronto it it just kind of shows exactly you know and he almost had that corner shot like imagine if that was the moment that kind of sealed the deal that would live in infamy and like in basketball history but no that's that's definitely one of my favorite moments he's had so many incredible shots and plays but just that standing ovation he received the kyle lowry chant i'll never forget that yeah, no, I'm, I'm exactly with you. And I, I remember when Kyle came, there was all of this like gritty, hard nose, you know, North Philly, like the how people were describing him. It was just like he's the blue collar guy that Raptor fans or Toronto sports fans just in general love because, you know, hockey town or, you know, whatever. But um, and it was so rare to get both that you had someone who was going to be diving for loose balls, who's going to be taking charges, who was was a pit bull on the court and so gritty that was also your best player. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that often don't happen. The way that people describe Kyle Lowry's game, it's almost like you're describing the perfect role player, but he is that while being your all-star and your all-NBA guy, which is what makes Kyle so unique. And I think what makes him really the perfect Raptor because yeah, he would have been a great hockey player. He is hard-nosed and gritty and all of those other things that people describe, but also the greatest Raptor of all time. Uh, so I think my favorite Kyle Lowry moment, I'm with you on that. Game six was beautiful. That, that Eastern Conference Finals moment was, was amazing. For me, it's probably game seven against the Miami Heat. Because the Raptors, for one, had never had a game seven that was stress-free. That never happened. <laughs> Every game seven in Raptors history has been, uh, has probably shortened my lifespan by like 50 years. But um so one, it was just free. And two, it was like, yeah, he's the best player on the court. Yeah. He's going to like have 35 points or whatever it is. And yeah, this is against Dwayne Wade, but like Kyle Lowry won you that game. And that took the Raptors at that point further than they'd ever been before. Uh, the second round was the max that they, they'd reached. And he took them to the conference finals for the first time ever. And he did it in such a superstar showboaty way where like, I watched a game, I watched a game seven of the Eastern conference semifinals like it was a game in January. Like that's how much like <laughs> stress I had because of how brilliant Kyle Lowry was. Um, and it came off the heels of like all these articles being written about him not being able to shoot in the playoffs and, you know, failing in, in crunch time and not being able to shine in the biggest moments. And he did it in the biggest moment at that point in Raptors history. So I think that's it for me. Uh, is there another one that sort of stands out? Uh, you? I was going to say too, how are you and I still standing? Like you and I have watched a lot of Raptors basketball over the years. We've gone through some anxiety-written, stress-filled moments. I'm glad we kind of made it out on the other end. You know, we're champions. You know, we're Twitter Hall of Famers, if you will, just to give ourselves a little bit of clout here. But... I mean, we we had to sit through the Andrea Bargnani days, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we could survive that, we could pretty much survive everything. But no, another memory that I love, I mean, you're talking about Game 7 against the Miami Heat, and I know a lot of people like to rewrite history when it comes to that Raptors championship, that it was just Kawhi Leonard and everybody else. That deciding game at Oracle Arena, Kyle Lowry in the first quarter, he just came out guns blazing. 
And that was just that that's something that stuck out to me because you could have easily ridden the laurels and the, the skill set of Kawhi Leonard and just say, giving him the ball, get out of the way, play the defense, be those secondary pieces. But Kyle Lowry stepped up on the biggest stage, knowing, you know what, if we don't steal the deal now and we have to go to game seven against these guys, things could get really ugly and I wouldn't like our chances. But you know what, let's close this out right now. We've proven we can win on the road. We can win on this on their home floor. And let's close out this arena for good. And that first quarter is something I'll never forget. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. That was it was so special to watch. Um, it's so funny because Kyle has this reputation of being a, a playoff choker. But if we actually go through it, I think all of my favorite moments of him involve the playoffs. Like he's come up so <laughs> big for this team time and time again. It's funny how narratives can be written. Um, I, I remember I remember tweeting out something that series against the Orlando Magic, and obviously he got ripped to shreds because he didn't score a single point in that first game against Orlando uh, shout out DJ Augustin for breaking my heart uh, in that first game. But you know what? One of the fun stats of that series was, is that even though he scored zero in the first game, he still outscored Nikola Vucevic for the entire series after putting up a big fat zero in game one. So that was one of those really like fun. Hey, remember that even though game one was horrible and we tried to erase that from memory, Kyle Lowry still came to play for the rest of the series. So, but let's not, that's the last time I'll talk about game one. I thought, I thought uh, you were going to refer to the plus 11 in that game, which I was like, Hey, they won the minutes and he was on the court. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's the saving grace of that entire game. Um, Yeah, no, it was funny because like game one against the Milwaukee Bucks and still like part of me, even though the Raptors won that series, even though they won a championship, I still come back to that game and I'm like, I cannot believe you guys cost Kyle Lowry this magnificent game. (laughs) (laughs) we hold grudges here in Toronto we do we do we won a championship and I'm like oh they only had won that game um but you know won a championship all is well that ends well uh so something (laughs) that you do that uh I absolutely love and we're gonna focus on Kyle Lowry I was going to talk a little bit about the team and yada yada but right let's focus on Kyle Lowry before we do that, though, I think people want a preview of the Raptors versus Heat game. So let's pivot again. What are your thoughts on that game? So Raptors versus Heat, it's going to be pivotal for both teams. Raptors are trying to remain outside of the play-in scenario, and the Heat are gunning for that one seed, and they just had a big win against the Boston Celtics the other night. What are your thoughts? At this point in the season, because I know that the six games, if, if my math is correctly, something along those lines left in the season. I think it's all about building momentum. And it, my professional wrestling fans out there, well, momentum is something WWE says a lot. But I think the Raptors at this point, I think it's a safe bet they're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, barring just some sort of a cataclysmic collapse at the end of the season. Knock on wood. I'm at, I'm at a wooden desk, guys. I'm, I'm erasing all those demons. Don't, don't worry about it. But I think right now, the Miami Heat are a great test at the end of the season. The Raptors are playing some of their best basketball. They've beaten some high-quality teams. I don't, they beat the Celtics. I know they beat their like their G League team, according to NBA Twitter. They still Listen. beat the Celtics. And if anyone asks, they beat the Celtics. That's what basketball reference tells me. It's all good. But the Miami Heat are a great test. This is a team that if the Raptors have like serious aspirations of going deep in the playoffs, they're probably going to see a Miami Heat team in the postseason. They're going to see Kyle Lowry. They're going to see a friendly face across the court. And they know what a guy like Kyle Kyle Lowry is capable of. They've obviously seen Jimmy Butler in the playoffs before. P.J. Tucker as well, former uh, Toronto Raptor in his own right. So I think this is going to be just kind of a nice building block. See how you match up. Continue how you see to see how you match up against the upper echelon teams 
in the Eastern Conference. I'm not going to take away too much from whatever the result is. The Raptors could win by 20. I'll still be like, you know what? The postseason is an entirely different story. I just want to see the Raptors continue to build on what they've slowly developed. They're, they're, they're getting healthy. The lineup is back intact. Just keep healthy, put out your best performance, and regardless of the result, just continue to play your best basketball heading into the postseason. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. And the Miami Heat have kind of been struggling. They had a big win against the Boston Celtics. Right. But prior to that, they had been struggling a little bit, especially with their half-court offense. And the Raptors have not been able to see them with Kyle Lowry, who changes their half-court offense entirely, especially with his three-point shooting that has been – he's been on fire. I think he's been shooting 50% as of late uh, from deep um, within the last few weeks on fire pull up and we know when Kyle gets that pull up game going how much space that that can create especially for a team right. that is so clogged down with both Jimmy and Bam kind of operating in the same space and taking away from each other so I think Miami's probably looking at Toronto as a real litmus test I think we're going to get their best punch one because they're gunning for that one seed uh and two because they really want to see what they look like against a team that is as switchy as the Raptors are. Um, so it should be a really interesting test to see how the Raptors can guard a team like the Miami Heat. And sometimes games just come down to who's having a hotter shooting night. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I can kind of see that one uh, being a little bit of a slog fest unless one of these two teams get, get hot from deep. I think this is, we kind of said the Raptors are playing with house money right now. This mm. is the, the record that as it stands currently is such an, an upside compared to what I think a lot of people projected for the Toronto Raptors heading into this season and still more to come, you know, like th this record is only going to get better as far as I'm concerned. So when you look at the upper teams in the East, you're, you're looking at Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, if they look at a Toronto Raptors, a team that really has nothing to lose at this point, they can go into the postseason being considered the underdogs and they can really give those top teams a run for their money. And they know that with these champion, this championship experience that these guys have, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, lesser extent OG Ananobi, because he, he was hurt during that postseason run, those guys know what it takes to host, hoist Larry O'Brien. And that's the last thing you want to see. Obviously, in a perfect world, they would like to see a Chicago, an unproven team in the postseason. DeMar, we're rooting for him, but what has he really done in the playoffs? Bless his heart. A Cleveland Cavaliers, a young roster with a lot of promising talent, but they need to show it in the playoffs. The Raptors, yeah. we know what they're capable of. And Miami, I think they're going to be looking at this matchup this weekend and saying, hey, like, let's see, let's see what these boys are made of because it's only going to get worse if we square off with them in the seven-game series in the playoffs. If we can't hold the fort down right now, it's only going to get more difficult when the playoffs begin. No, I think you're entirely right. The Raptors are in such an interesting point. The, the fact that they're a place, the fact that they're already 44 wins, and like you said, counting, they have the opportunity to get to 50. Not yeah. probably not going to happen. They have to go perfect. To uh, you're the year. <laughs> 50, big I'm, five I'm zero. reverse jinxing the Raptors. I'm going to continue to do it <laughs> ever since on this podcast. I said that they would beat the Thunder, who just lost by 70 points, and they ended up losing to that Thunder team. I've decided reverse jinxes is all, all I'm going to do. But you know what? Fun fact, this got me into a little bit of heat with Heat Twitter, but this might be the first time in Eric Spolson's career that without LeBron James, he gets to 50 wins, and I'm going to credit a good chunk of that to Kyle Lowry and how this team was rolling when both Jimmy and Bam were out because Kyle plus bench is fantastic. So you know what? Eric Spolstra, Kyle Lowry um, has uh, saved your legacy. I don't know. <laughs> it's just well, going to get way more, way more heat with heat Twitter. I'm totally kidding. It's all, it's all in fun. Um, but yeah, um, we we did see that here in Toronto. I mean, we saw that here in Toronto. Kyle Lowry is a culture changer. 
and you oh, put them on that Miami Heat roster, it's not just what happens in the wins and loss column. It's the mentality of that entire roster. Like, could you imagine if the Los Angeles Lakers pulled the trigger on a Kyle Lowry trade, if you replaced a Russell Westbrook, who's really struggled this season shooting the basketball and in a lot of other aspects as well. If you take him out of the equation and you put a Kyle Lowry in there, you know, barring injuries, AD's been unhealthy and LeBron's had his you know fair share of ups and downs as well. But you put Kyle Lowry there, the entire mentality of what the Lakers are doing goes from like zero to hero overnight. And then when, you know, when S hits the fan, you know, when their backs are against the wall, you have a guy like Kyle Lowry, that pit bull that you were describing when his back is against the wall, he plays some of the best basketball that he ever does him in Miami changes everything for them. And even though they have struggled as of late, they're trying to kind of build themselves up for a postseason run. They're a scary team. And that's not a team that I would want to face. He's been a huge part of the turnaround as well. When we're talking about that Boston Celtics game, it was Kyle Lowry who came up yeah. uh, late in the fourth quarter for them. Uh, and and to your point about about you know him fitting with the with Russell Westbrook, I think one of the things about Kyle Lowry's game we saw here in Toronto. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's, it's incredibly malleable. He can play on ball. He can play off ball. I think that's probably one of the most underrated parts of his game is how malleable it is. There have been times where as a Raptor, I was like, oh, Kyle's kind of, I don't think he has it anymore. I think he has aged out. I think we've seen it. But then the playoffs come around and he proves that that's not actually the case. He was actually saying, hey, I'm going to get Pascal involved because Pascal's on an MIP trajectory right now. I'm going to get DeMar DeRozan involved more because DeMar's learning how to be on ball and become a playmaker and a facilitator. And so I'm going to be, you know, off a little bit. I'm going to step back. Like he knows when to do that for his teammates and he knows when it's time for him to turn it up and turn it on. Also, the fact that he is a a plus defender, the fact that he can shoot the ball very well, uh, excellent floor spacer the fact that he can play on ball off ball is one of the best playmakers in the league the fact that he can guard up positions I just saw a tweet the other day where someone said you know is Kyle Lowry the Heat's best post defender and I'm like Kyle Lowry might be one of the best post defenders in the league um and so just his versatility and how malleable his game is allows him to work in very many circumstances whereas a guy like Russell Westbrook a guy like DeMar DeRozan they don't really have like not to say that they're not great. Russell is a former MVP. DeMar DeRozan was on an MVP trajectory this season. Not to say that they're not great, but there is this sort of added element of Kyle's game that allows him to work alongside any superstar um, and still be a positive contributor that I think gets underrated a little bit. I think he knows his limitations at this stage of his career. I, I think he knows he's not supposed to be that 20, 25 point a game score. Yes. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands all the time. He can play defense. He can be that, you know, exceptional post defender. He can distribute. He can find guys in the corner for open looks. And you have a lot of those guys on the Miami Heat because they're so great at shooting the rock. I, I look back at that game with the Raptors 
against the Minnesota Timberwolves recently in that career high in assist that Pascal Siakam had. He didn't have a good shooting night, but you can't tell me that playing alongside Kyle Lowry for as long as he did when Pascal realized that, hey, my offense is not really working tonight. What else can I do to make this an easier experience for this team? And that first quarter was horrendous. But from that point onward, Pascal was distributing. He was getting to the to the rack, but he was also passing to the open man. And that's why he was getting so many assists. And it kind of reminded me of a, of a Kyle Lowry, someone who, you know, maybe when his shot wasn't falling and Kyle Lowry had those really bad shooting nights. What else was he doing? He was drawing charges. He was playing defense. He was in your face. He was distributing. And that was kind of what I saw with Pascal Siakam recently. I was like, I'm getting these Kyle Lowry vibes from him tonight. I know he's talented enough where he can be that kind of a distributor, but I think it was a nice ode to Kyle Lowry and everything that he learned from him during his tenure here in Toronto. I think that's exactly right. And I was actually going to ask you to, to Kyle's left a great legacy in Toronto. And he's also kind of been, he was the vet for all of the guys now that are currently on the team. And I wanted to ask you what parts of Kyle's game do you see in the Freds, in the Pascals, in the OGs? Is there, are there elements of his game that you still see on this Toronto Raptors team today? And I think you mentioned it there with Pascal. Is there anybody else? I mean, Fred's the obvious answer. I mean, Van Vliet went to the school of Kyle Lowry. I mean, he was able to play underneath him, you know, be his backup for as long as he did. And I, I think the the big trait that I see from, from not only Fred, but other guys on the roster is that their tenacity. And mm-hmm. I think the Raptors get a lot of credit around the league for, for not giving up. And, and we've seen recently with, you know, the Boston Celtics game, the Timberwolves game more specifically is that they get off to these cold starts. And a lot of, a lot of teams around the NBA would just kind of throw in the towel and say, this is not our night. And that's how we've, and we, you and I have seen a ton of Raptors games. There have been iterations of this franchise where they would absolutely do that. But that's why I say, when I go back to Kyle Lowry being a culture changer, when he was here in Toronto for as long as he did, those kinds of performances wouldn't stand because he wouldn't let them stand. And I think he rubbed off on a lot of, a lot of his teammates, Fred Van Vliet specifically, you know, I mean, you know, him becoming an NBA all-star this year, which some of us projected, but I think some of us maybe projected OG Ananobi to be the guy to kind of step up and be that focal point of the team. But Fred playing underneath Kyle Lowry, as long as he did the, the true leader, you know, um, maybe the face of the franchise at this point with him and Siakam kind of splitting those duties and Scotty Barnes, who we might be talking about a little bit later, spoiler alert there. But yeah, I think playing alongside Kyle Lowry has been so good for this, this young impressionable roster. I would have loved to see a Scotty Barnes kind of team up with Kyle Lowry, just to be under the Kyle Lowry tree, even for a single season, just to see what he can kind of absorb from that. But no, you're still seeing the Kyle Lowry like effect on this current version of the Toronto Raptors. And I think that's part of, I mean, if only a little bit of the reason why they're so successful. No, I, I completely agree. And one, one other aspect of, of Fred's game sometimes, and he had that in, in that um, Boston Celtics game where he just hit those two really important threes, back-to-back threes. And there are just some right. certain spots there, you know, there used to be that Chloe time, as I would call it, Kyle Lowry over everything time. It's, Chloe, it's not <laughs> yeah. guy or Chloe. I don't know what people call it. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. But uh, so there would just be moments where the team needs you to do something and he's going to hit back-to-back threes or he like, I think Fred also forced a turnover or might might be even forced two. And it's just like, there's just like this two minute stretch, this two minute burst, like when your team desperately needs you to get a stop and to hit a basket that Fred is going to be the one barreling towards the basket or Fred is going to be the one to hit that deep three with, you know, few minutes left in in the fourth quarter. That was 
Kyle always had that when the team needed it. It seemed like he definitely does pick his spots and pick his time. Kyle recognizes that he's in his thirties. He cannot go all out for 48 minutes in a game. That's just never been him, but he will pick a spot or a time where he's like, okay, they need me to kind of just do everything right now. So I'm going to do that for my team. I'm going to force a stop. I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to hit a three or bail my way to the basket and get an in one. And we get to see Fred do that for spots. And it's just like, it's so reminiscent of Kyle Lowry's game. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, You did mention it. I did want to focus. I did want to shift a little bit. So we've been talking about the old, no offense, Kyle, but now we're going to pivot over towards the new, and that is Scotty Barnes, Scotty Roy, as I like to call him now. He's, he's a part of the succession crew. Um, Scotty Barnes, is he your rookie of the year? Do you think he has an actual legitimate shot of winning the award? You know my answer. <laughs> That's the short answer. I mean, look, I've been – on the Scotty Barnes bandwagon since game one. Although and people will pull up my old tweets from draft night and I will still apologize for those. I was absolutely wrong about Scotty Barnes. And, and, and just to kind of preface everything that I'm about to say is that I'm not much of a college basketball guy. So I listened to a lot of experts ahead of the draft saying this was a four player draft. You know, it was Cade Cunningham. It was Evan Mobley. It was Jalen Suggs, like guys like that. And then when Scotty Barnes get, and uh, Jalen Green, excuse me. And when you hear it's those four guys and the Raptors have the fourth pick, you're thinking, well, all they really have to do is take the guy who wasn't picked. And it's like the easiest selection in the history of the draft. So when I saw Scotty Barnes, someone who I wasn't necessarily familiar with, and I, I had seen, you know, Jalen Suggs in the tournament hitting big shots and what have you. So I see Scotty Barnes and, you know, I, I was very harsh from the very beginning. So I, again, I was just ignorant. I didn't know much about the guy. But I, after listening to people more in the know, like Raptors, Twitter experts, college basketball writers saying this is actually a pretty decent pick that's when I started to realize that maybe Scotty Barnes, albeit on a roster heavy with forwards, because, you know, he had to play next to Ananobi and Siakam, what was going to kind of come with that dynamic and to see the levels that he's taken off to. Yeah. If I had a vote and I know I'm biased because if you've seen me on Twitter, you know, I'm very pro Scotty Barnes. I think he absolutely deserves to win rookie of the year. But I also said this recently on social media as well is that I think the race is so close with him Evan Mobley, maybe to a lesser extent, Kate Cunningham, because of how poor the Pistons have been for the better part of the season. I think it ultimately will come down to Mobley or Barnes. There isn't really a wrong selection, but I think based on the rule that Scotty Barnes has had this season, Mobley, Cleveland has counted more on Mobley to do certain things. You can make it, you can make the case that Barnes has been the fifth option in that starting lineup for the Toronto Raptors for most of the season, because he's not taking shots over even the fourth option, like, like Gary Trent Jr., who's had high-scoring performances. He's not doing it over Van Vliet, and Anobi's missed time, mind you, and Siakam is like the number one guy on this roster. But Barnes makes things happen in other regards. Like, he, he does channel like a Kyle Lowry, for example, being one of the top offensive rebounders in the league, and especially in this rookie class. You know, he's developed a mid-range game. He's, it's still a work in progress, mind you. He's hitting three-pointers, which I thought was going to take years for this guy because no one told me he could shoot at all, but he's shown some range over the course of the season, and he's putting up such incredible numbers for a guy that I really didn't think would hit this peak at this quick into his career. So I think, and the best is yet to come. I mean, I think this guy has like superstar potential again, I'm biased, but I'm seeing so much, you know, growth from him already. The sky's the limit for him. And I think he absolutely does deserve to be rookie of the year. I will have to say I'm, I'm entirely 
with you. Surprise, surprise. I think Scotty Barnes <laughs> deserves to be rookie of the year as well. And I'm with you though. I think it is a, a tight race and I, I think it's also a three person race and I would also have Okay, I, I agree with you. That's my take. Um, I would also have I'm going all right today. I'm getting agreed with I like it. <laughs> like that, oh, that always makes a fun podcast, you know, when everyone's just agreeing with each other. But um, I would also have Cade third. What I noticed and what I've noticed recently is Cade has supplanted. Is that a word? That's a word. It's a planted. Sir, I don't know. It's a word now. Um, <laughs> you guys know what I mean. He's jumped Scotty in a lot of like rookie polls that I've been seeing recently. And that's always really surprised me. Um, and I, I think with, I, I don't quite understand why. And, mm-hmm. and so that's been something that's really been bothering me. I get that Kate has really come on uh, as of late. And I understand that the Pistons record is even better, which is surprising people considering the roster that they have and the fact that they've been able to win. Um, and I think I might be stealing this from Kevin O'Connor, who said it recently that Cade has one of the worst true shooting percentages of any guy that's taken over 800 shots this season. And that's in part due to the fact that he was injured for a good chunk of the season. And it took him a while to sort of work his way in. I also think that like, so, so I do believe that it is a two person race because I don't think we can erase the first few months of the season. And Mobley is great. Scotty is also great. Like I'm not, I'm not disparaging Mobley. I'm not even disparaging Kate. I think Kate is going to be a phenomenal player watching him play. It's, it's in, it's just, it makes no sense to me that a rookie has that much of a command over a game and can set the pace and control and has a vision. And just like, he looks like a vet that's been doing this forever watching him play. Um, But I think the difference to me between between Mobley and and Scotty who have very similar numbers is Scotty's shot profile is so much more diverse than Mobley's and hit the shots that he's taking are so much more difficult than Mobley's that when people yeah. point to their you know the, the the similarities in their numbers statistically that's fine and dandy except watch how Mobley plays versus watch how Cade not Cade but Scotty plays on the offensive end Scotty's is a little bit more difficult where the Raptors are asking him to do a little bit more in the role that he has. And I think that that probably matters. And I don't think that that's being accounted for enough in most people's ballots because people just sort of look at the numbers and it's like, okay, well, what do you have here? And I do think the Raptors overtaking the Cavaliers in the standings is going to make a major difference as well. Um, because I think a lot of people were pointing to the Cavs record as a reason why Mobley deserves it. And now it's like, okay, well, the Raptors are actually the better team. And granted, I think people can say the Cavs have been way more hurt than the Toronto Raptors. They've had the worst injury luck in, in the league, it feels like. Yeah. Um, and so there are lots of reasons, whatever it is, I think it will be close. I just sometimes, maybe it's the Raptor fan in me. Maybe I'm not able to shake that, but it does kind of feel like people are discounting how difficult it is for Scotty to do what he's doing. Um, and maybe overlooking him a little bit more than I want them to. Anyways, the guy's guarding five positions. Like the, the guy's guarding everybody. And you can he, throw he's, him out there as a point guard and a center. Yeah. What does that even mean? He hasn't shied away from anything. And you can pinpoint certain moments during the course of the season where there have been mental lapses. Yeah. And maybe he does get frustrated. I mean, I look back to that Mavericks game. I think it was that Luka Doncic shot where he kind of just like gave up on the play from from remembering it correctly. Yeah. So there and and he's a rookie. I think he set the bar so high for himself. Yeah. And and that when you do see him kind of like stumble a little bit, it, it's painful because we've seen how great he can be when he's playing at his absolute best. 
but like you said, like when we're talking about like him guarding every position, and we're not trying to tarnish Evan Mobley here. Oh, no, like, if this guy phenomenal. wins rookie of the year. Yeah, they're, they're, Cade, us. Evan, and Scotty are three of like amazing players in their rookie season. Any of them would win in any given year. I'm just a little biased. I'm going to point to the fact that Scotty's being asked to do a whole lot. And it's not fair to look at the numbers between a big and a wing and expect them to be the same. One of them should be more efficient than the other. I'm just saying. <laughs> and and, I, and I, a lot of people, a lot of the, the haters or trolls on Twitter like to point out the fact that, you know, why are we so surprised that Scotty Barnes is playing this well? He was the fourth overall pick, you know? That doesn't that doesn't matter. We've seen high picks struggle before. He's still a rookie, and he was still kind of like the black sheep of that group because where he was kind of like slipping in the sides. He he got picked over um, Jalen Suggs, and everyone was like, "What the what the hell's going on with the Toronto Raptors?" And now seeing him exceed expectations and do things like the shooting that people projected he would take like two, three, four years down the road for him to just develop some semblance of range. Seeing him do that now and kind of blowing away expectations and everyone in Toronto is like on the bandwagon because we didn't foresee this coming. We were, we, we thought he'd be okay, but this is a guy that's showing like face of the franchise potential down the road. This is a guy you want to lock up for the long term because you want his prime to be here in Canada. And that's why I've gravitated so much to him. This isn't a gimmick on Twitter. This isn't just like, oh, Scotty Barnes, it's getting me Twitter clout. I really enjoy watching this guy play basketball. And we are entering this new era of Toronto Raptors basketball where we're, we're being led by Pascal Siakam. We're getting like these 905. It's like almost like the Raptors 905 are like at the, at the forefront of this franchise. And now you get this, this incredible piece in Scotty Barnes who is just like dynamite out there on the basketball court and does a little bit of everything. And you then you see maybe like a little bit of Giannis, a little bit of Giannis. We didn't get Giannis, but like, I mean, like lengthwise, like he almost has kind of like the intangibles, the physical intangibles of the the Giannis. I think it was Asad who said, uh, who compared Scotty's rookie numbers to Giannis year three numbers. Oh God, that blew up. (laughs) Where Giannis is point guard and the numbers were, pretty identical pretty I'm damn not, close i'm not saying that scotty is Giannis. i'm saying scotty is better no i'm kidding <laughs> but but let's also realize too like there's there's a chance that scotty barnes is not going to win rookie of the oh, year yeah. and that's quite all right and i rem- I, I re- forget who said it on twitter him evan mobley kate cunningham they're all going to be future all-stars in this league they're all going to be top level superstar level talents Let's remember that, and we'll look back five, six, seven years down the road and remember this draft cast class extremely fondly for guys like those three players. Yeah, no one, no one goes, hey, was, was Stephen Curry rookie of the year? I need to remember in order to appreciate his game right now, <laughs> which I, he wasn't. It was Tyreek Evans, which lets you know everything about that award. Right? <laughs> like, the award <laughs> doesn't matter. You don't draft Scotty Barnes to be rookie of the year. You draft Scotty Barnes to be your franchise leader for years to come. He doesn't um, need the validation. He's already validated this season tenfold. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that you do do on, on Twitter that I truly do appreciate in regards to Scotty Barnes is talk about who he has supplanted. I'm going to use the word again, um, on the Raptors all-time leaderboard in terms of scoring. Points. So I'm going to ask you. He's, he's got quite a few so far. It feels like it's a daily occurrence in all honesty. Oh, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many more do you think he, there, there's six games left in the regular season. I understand this is just a regular season award or not award, but uh, numbers. So are there some other names that we could see Scotty jumping? I mean, unless he like just puts up a, you know, a deuce 
for the remainder of the season. There's there's some guys he's going to pass. He could pass someone as early as Friday uh, against the Orlando Magic. There's some big names uh, still on the horizon. Some names maybe not like you know top tier Toronto Raptors players, but names that people will be familiar with. And and the reason I love this gimmick, and I'm I'm so happy that it's like kind of taken off to the degree it did. When I used to work at the score in downtown Toronto, I was one of those writers who I really loved doing all time stat posts. It could have been something like, you know, so-and-so player became the 37th all-time free throw shooter in NBA history, like the most random number, the most random player. But it was so fun to look back at past players and say, wow, he passed this guy. Remember this guy, this all-star, this superstar level player, he surpassed him, even though it was 37th. Who cares? I loved doing that. <laughs> so to do this now with former Toronto Raptors players, I'm, I might have missed like one or two, but I'm pretty sure I've covered like pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the people on Twitter who said start using photos because people really like seeing the actual like photo of the player that he's passed. But no, this, this has been a, a lot of fun. I Even if no one was really paying attention, I'd still do it just because it makes me happy remembering these players. And all I want is that when Scotty Barnes gets to number one, I just hope they invite me to the game and they have me hand him the game ball at the end of the day. That would be just the highlight of my life. But no, like, like to answer your question, there yeah. are some big names. Um, I don't want to spoil everybody. No, I, 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 I don't, don't need a spoiler. I just wanted to know if we could, if we could look forward to some more before the season ends. Um, definitely. There's, uh, as a spoiler, I think the next, I'll have to double check. And by the way, the list that I use is app is accessible to everyone. So if anyone wanted to find this, just do a simple Google search and you'll be able to see who he's about to pass. But I think the next player he's about to move past is actually one of the two rookies in Raptors history who ended up scoring more than Scotty in a regular season. So spoiler alert there, a guy who may have been a one hit wonder with the Toronto Raptors, but he had a pretty damn good year after that kind of fell off the map. But uh, if you see it happen either this Friday against Orlando or Sunday against the heat, uh, it's a pretty don't big name. Google it, guys. Don't ruin it for yourself. Don't ruin it, cool. guys. Just just let me take care of this and, uh, and, and you'll see for yourselves, hopefully in the next couple of games. Oof. I was looking at how far in ahead DeMar DeRozan was for total points. He's at 13,000 <laughs> and next up is 10,000 with Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to be a while before anyone breaks that. Pascal's <laughs> on pace. Pascal Siakam is on pace. Pascal Siakam is seventh. Can I, can I do a fun it's little ca- trivia thing? Do you know who the six people are that are ahead of Pascal Siakam? On the all-time scoring list? On the all-time scoring um, list. DeMar, Kyle, Vince, is no Damon's not ahead of him. Am I remember that? Um, uh, no, you're missing a, an obvious one. Not Jose, n- not Morris. Why am I drawing Jose, a blank? Here? Jose is number nine. Oh, wait, you yeah, Mo, Jose Mo is P, nine. Mo Pete Mo is Pete's number up there, six. isn't he? Mo Pete is yeah. number six. Yeah, because longevity. Uh, so yeah, there you, you go. got four. You're missing an obvious one. You said, like, think about who Andrea? the top Raptors are. Yes, but it's that wasn't Andrea. even the obvious one I was thinking of. We're at five, so we're almost there. So did I already maybe name them? I, did, I said Vince, uh, Kyle, Andrea, Morris, and you said so it's ahead of Pascal. Well. Said Demar. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just missing. You're missing. You're gonna more. say it, and I'm gonna about to. I feel like I've looked you're at this list so many more. times. You're just missing one more. It's it's an obvious one. You got this. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm gonna person. I'm gonna ruin it for my. I have this on the list right now because I'm gonna hate myself if I don't get this. The sixth person. 
No, Jason DeCapono. I'm not. Oh, Bosch. Oh, Christopher God. Bosch. Christopher it's my name. Bosch. It's a Chris. It's a fellow Chris. I'm, it's I'm sorry. It's a fellow Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, which Chris. I feel like you, you got. If you just like said like the names again, I feel like you would have gotten. It's been a long eventually. day, my friend. I'm, I'm I'm sitting here wearing like a call center okay. headpiece and uh, <laughs> I'm ready to go to bed. But no, Chris Bosch. Shout out to Chris Bosch. Come on my podcast. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Friday Views. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining me on this podcast. Let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Walder Sports. Follow along with this Scotty Barnes rise to the top of the all-time scoring list. And, hey, uh, it's been a little bit of a hiatus, but the Walder Sports cast will be returning soon. I want to use this voice for, for good. You can't really hear it on Twitter, but hopefully you'll follow along. Subscribe to the Walder Sports cast wherever you listen to your shows. As someone who often gets told I sound like an eight-year-old child when I do these, uh, <laughs> you've got the voice for, for podcasting. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Bye, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.